we would like to welcome to the podcast today, Mr. John Geringer. John helps growth-minded business owners who are financially overwhelmed make smart choices about their money and get where they intend to go faster. He does this by using his gift of coaching, his strengths of activator and maximizer, which I want to talk about later, and his acquired skills from growing up in a financially overwhelmed house and 25 years in business, 25 plus, I did the math for you earlier. John has helped build two businesses to maturity and ultimately sail. Married for 23 years to his wife, and they have a teenage son together, plus their two rescue dogs who are considered their kids, too. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me. I appreciate you. Yeah, you bet, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Um, so my first question is always the same. Uh, what was your first job? My first job, uh, I was so fortunate to have my next door neighbor give me the job of mucking stalls <laughs> for his two horses, as well as, uh, you know, the more glamorous part was I got to exercise and groom them. But let's just be honest, I mucked stalls. That's awesome. You're actually my second podcast guest this week, who's, that was their first job. Um, so well, and that was at the age of 10. So <laughs> you said in my intro that I, I grew up in a very financially overwhelmed house. So mm -hmm. I never wanted to go and ask my parents for money. So I decided to go to the next door neighbor who had five acres and a couple of horses and said, you have some work for me to do so I could earn my own money and didn't have to ask my parents for money if I wanted to go to the movies. Mm -hmm. How do I get my 11 year old to do this? All right. So you have been in financial advisory for 25 plus years. Um, how did you get started? Um, and what has been your progression with that? Yeah. So um, if you would ask me growing up, if I intended to be a financial advisor, I would say no. I was a business major in college with an accounting minor. And I originally was an accounting major, Jamie. I don't know if you know that being I an accountant, but... Uh, yeah, what you probably know is that the junior year either makes you or breaks you, and it broke me. <laughs> I did I did my junior and senior years in 18 months because I switched majors wow. like super late, and I had to do all of those upper-level classes in 18 months to graduate. It was crazy. Yeah, well, that's why you're an accountant and I'm not. So um, <laughs> my, my actual... My actual original career track was I wanted to be an FBI agent. I, as I think back, I, I think really what I thought would be cool would be to be wearing a suit and packing heat. <laughs> and, uh, but, but <laughs> I'm serious, but, but because I changed my major, uh, from accounting to business, that meant that I had to work someplace for three years before I went into the FBI. And since I started working on when I was 10, uh, and I had a few other jobs after that. I actually had some work experience. I worked all through college in addition to playing baseball. And so um, my dad recommended I hire a lady that he had used to help me prepare my resume. And uh, she said to me, uh, I'm just going to tell you, you're way too motivated for the government. And she said, have you ever thought of getting into financial services? And I said, no. And so she said, let me introduce you. She said, I own this office building. Let me introduce you to a man who's in the business and just see what you think. And so what, what happened is I decided to give it a try. And if I didn't like it, I would stick it out for three years and then I'd go into the FBI and I wound up loving it. And I never, ever applied to the FBI. Um, that's hilarious. So I'm actually thinking back to um, a career fair once and um, 
they like do the testing or whatever and FBI or like FBI agent was on like my list of things I should be. <laughs> uh, Isn't that funny? There you go. <laughs> no, I was like, you just want me to be an analyst. <laughs> um, so you have, a, you have an amazing story about how you left California and moved to Colorado to start over. I've heard that story a couple times. Could you give us the Cliff Notes version for the audience, please? Yeah, I mean, Cliff Notes version, just in, in, in tying in the question of progression of my, my career. So mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was very fortunate to build a firm from scratch in San Diego, and I'd only lived in San Diego one year prior to starting um, my practice. And I, was, I rented a room for my sister, and when I started, she said, hey, look, don't come to me for referrals because I got to make sure you know what you're doing before I start to refer you to my friends. So um, thankfully, I, I learned how to build a network that referred business, and um, we built and sold that practice. But um, in, in, uh, it's actually it is a pretty funny story. So I, I, made a con I started in 1994, and I made a conscious decision in 2008, not knowing that it was 2008, to go from a mass affluent practice that accepted everyone as a client to a, a high and ultra high net worth practice that worked with a finite number of ideal clients and providing them the best possible service. So I started working on that transition in 08. And um, Jamie, you were in business in 08, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Not yet? Well, anyways, um, I got I got my rear end handed to me in business because, you know, as an example, I worked with business owners back then and we had a business owner go from 110 uh, employees down to 10 employees in a matter of six months. I had two business owner clients go bankrupt because they couldn't manage cash or they didn't do a good job of managing cash flow. So that impacted our business. Um, we obviously made it through and, and recovered, but um, I just didn't know it was 08, but in, in 2010, this is now getting to how I wound up in Colorado. In early 2010, January or February, my mother-in-law from here in Denver called me at my office in San Diego. And uh, she said, hey, she said, you're married to my second of two daughters and children, and you have my only grandchild. And at the time, he was uh, five. And she said, what has to happen for you to spend more time in Denver? Well, because I was in the middle of really focused on building a practice, I said, Lillian, you give me six clients in Denver, I'll spend more time in Denver. <laughs> so not the most um, emotionally intelligent answer, but it was a pure <laughs> business answer. Yeah. And, uh, and so she said, what's an ideal client? And uh, so I had at the time, and I still have today, a one-page bullet pointed on what my ideal clients look like or the clients that I best serve. So I said, I'll send it to you. So I emailed it to her and I went back to my day and about two weeks later, she called me and she said, all right, when can you get here? And I said, for what? And she said, you told me that if I get you six clients in Denver, you would spend more time here. I have people for you to meet. When can you get here? <laughs> and so uh, I went to my office staff and they, uh, they got me a flight to Denver, and I started coming out here in, I don't know, February or March of 2010, and I'd come out once or twice a month. And we got to the summer of 2010, and it was probably September or August, or sorry, not September, it was probably July or August, and um, my wife and I sat down and did a pros and cons. What are the pros of living in Denver, and what are the cons? And the only con was that I had zero clients in Denver still. Mm -hmm. And um, I looked at the list, and I said, you know, it's not a big enough reason so I 
that was on a Sunday. I went into the office on Monday and my right hand guy, his name was Danny. And I put the pros and cons list in front of him. And he said, looks like you need to move to Denver. I said, yep, looks like I do. So, uh, so we made the decision to do that. And we were here by, I think we, we left on uh, November 1st and got drove out here and got here on November 3rd and sold our house in San Diego. And here we are. <laughs> so. I love that. I love that you guys are just like, okay, let's just go. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you know, it, it was one of those things, Jamie, that I can tell you just to serve your audience, because I'm sure you have an audience of all different ages. Mm-hmm. But when I was really young, and especially because I grew up in a financially overwhelmed house, I thought that if I was financially successful, that I'd be incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so thankfully, Lisa and I were financially successful by 2005, you know, 11 years later, you know, and it was kind of like the what you would think of as financially successful. We were millionaires. We um, had a beautiful home in San Diego on a hill. We drove the cars we wanted to drive. We had lots of extra cash flow. I had my own business. Um, but to be honest, I was actually pretty empty. I was pretty miserable. And so uh, one of the things that I realized is that money, you know, growing up in a financially overwhelmed household, I thought money would make me happy and fulfilled, but money will never fulfill us. And so I had gotten my priorities in order. And so those, those priorities are faith, number one, family, number two, and business, number three. And so when I looked at that and I saw that it was such a good move for our family from a faith and family perspective, it was actually a really easy decision. And um, Roy Disney, Walt's brother, said, when your values are clear, your decisions are easy. So because my values were clear, my decision was easy. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know that if you, if you do grow up in a financially overwhelmed house, a lot of the time you turn around and try to make it like completely the opposite. But once you get to that kind of homeostasis where everything's paid, like there is no happy after that, you know, just from what I've learned, yeah, it's, I, I, how they work. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I think of one client right now and, He's been a client. He's a client here in Denver. So I finally did add a couple of them. Just one or two. But but he, he, yeah, he, he became a client in, uh, in 2010 and he's asked me several times. I don't think he asked me anymore, but uh, sorry, he became a client in 2013. And, but he asked me several times early on, like, Hey, you know, how do you become wealthy? How do you become wealthy? And I said, becoming wealthy is actually very, very easy. You just invest your money into appreciating assets. And you will become wealthy as long as you uh, spend less than you make and you invest in appreciating assets. And so, uh, but I always tell clients, but I can tell you from experience, being wealthy will not make you happy or fulfill you. Short term, it can make you happy to satisfaction, but, you know, becoming wealthy is really a gold checked off and a gold checked off is as long as you know, Jamie, is no longer motivating. That's exactly true. Once you once you hit that box, it's like okay, now what? Need <laughs> the next one. Right. So you facilitate on top of being a financial advisor right now. You facilitate a three to five club and run the three to five board, which I'm putting in quotes because it's not like a board of directors, um, which is a collection of business owners and mature businesses. Um, what is your favorite thing about leading these groups of business owners? Well, um, the, 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 my number one gift, so what, what I've come to know, and this is actually part of living a really fulfilling life, is that every single human being, 
you know, there, there's even identical twins don't have the same fingerprints. Mm-hmm. So that means every single human being is a masterpiece. So we'll never be, we're all one of a kind. And we also have a unique gift set. So when you take our gifting that we're born with, and then you take our strengths and you take our acquired skills, if you can get those to work in synergy, uh, there's incredible satisfaction and fulfillment from that because uh, you, you can really help people. You can, you can make a difference with that. So what I love about serving as a facilitator for three to five club and for three to five board is that I get to use my gift of coaching. That's my strongest naturally born gift along with my strengths of activation and maximization along with my acquired skills to help these business owners get where they intend to go faster. And that's the thing that I love to do as a coach is I like to help whether it's a financial advisory client or a facilitation member or a coaching client. I just like to, I just love to help people get where they intend to go faster. I love it. How did you find those? How did you find your gifts? Yeah, so I actually went through a couple of different gifting exercises, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's what helped me identify those. Okay. Um, So Nora has been on the podcast. So we've done, I've done unique contribution. I know that's one of the things that's helped you. Yeah, so actually Nora, uh, Nora Abel actually did one of my gifting exercises. In fact, I remember the first day I met with Nora, we did um, three individual sessions. And she said, John, she said, I'm going to tell you up front that when we uncover your dominant gift, it will be like if I said to a fish, hey, fish, you know what? You're a really good swimmer. And the fish would look at me and say, well, of course, I'm a fish. And so when she said at the, at the, at the third session, she said, John, after getting feedback from family, friends, clients, people who have worked with you, people who have played sports with you. John, you're a coach. I was like, well, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I I did another one that confirmed the same thing. And so the other thing that I would say on that, just because it's made such a difference in my life, and and I I grew up in a family that was really big on uh, what you and I would call industrial age thinking. We were actually really big on hard work. I remember calling my dad in 2005, 11 years into practice and being successful, but I called my dad and he lived in Northern California and I was in San Diego. And I said, you know, Hey dad, I said, I'm, I'm only working half days. And he goes, what? And I said, I'm only working 12 hours a day. And he goes, Oh, that's okay. So you have an idea of the type of family I grew up in is that we were really big on hard work. And so when, uh, when I initially got introduced to gifts, to me, it was kind of like woo-woo stuff, like gifts, like what's that? Like just go out and work hard. Like I became successful just by working hard and being intentional. Right. And so, but it's actually really been transformational in my life because um, I, when, when we work in our gifts, another way to start to identify your gifts is I call it the three E's. So uh, first of all, we're doing act when we do activities where we're working our gifts, it's energizing for us. Mm-hmm. That's the first E. The second E is that uh, when we're doing activities that are in our natural gifts, it's actually effortless for us. So that was actually a really big mind bender for me for a while because growing up in a family of hard work, if things were hard, that's just the way I expect it to be. 
So when things were easy, I actually didn't give it a lot of credit because it was easy <laughs> and I thought things had to be hard. And so, um, so number one, it's, it's energizing for you. Number two, it's effortless for you. And number three, you're really effective at it. Now, the way that I found that we know we're really effective at it is not that we say we're effective at it. It's actually other people say things like, man, <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who can do that as good as you do that or you really made a difference or making a difference in my life. Um, you get comments, cards, emails, letters, uh, like that frequently when you're doing something that's in your gifts. So the three E's. I love that. I know, I know I've heard you speak about that before. And I always think about you, you talking about, um, your list that you keep next to, of, you know, the things you don't ever want to do again, like your energizers and your drainers. Um, and I think about right. like how you guys do that within your staff so that when you're bringing somebody new on, you can be like, okay, here's all of our drainers. Who can we hire that is energized by these things? Yeah. And actually uh, it's a good memory. Good recall, Jamie. Um, keep a list of battery chargers and battery drainers. What am I doing that charges my battery? What am I doing that drains my battery or drains my energy? And actually, I would say that it's also good to sit down with team and take a look at, you know, I had this happen uh, last year to where uh, I had a number of things under my battery drainers and one of our team members took like nine tenths of it and said, I love doing those things. And so I'm like, you want it? You can have it. And so it was one, one way without even hiring somebody else to give her something that she wanted that energized her. And to, to eliminate mm -hmm. um, a number of things that actually were draining my battery. And one of the things that I, um, I've come to realize in the last year, Jamie, is I hope your audience appreciates this analogy, but you have to understand I, I grew up with family, with, with parents who broke, both grew up in the uh, agricultural industry. So my mom grew up on farms in South Dakota and my dad grew up on a vineyard in Lodi, California. And so I, this is a farming analogy, but I, I really believe business is in life is a lot of farming, meaning that we need to prepare soil. We need to plant seeds. We need to water and fertilize. However, we need to pull weeds because if we don't, as Jim Rohn would say, or he's now gone to be with the Lord, but he'd say the weeds will take over the garden mm -hmm. if you don't pull the weeds. And so part of pulling weeds is actually eliminating the battery drainers from our life. And if we don't do that, they'll just suck the life out of us. Yeah. My friend Mal, who, um, who's been on the podcast, but she, she said the other day, every no is a yes. So every time you say no to something, you're, you know, allowing something else to come in and everything you say, every time you say yes to something, you're not allowing other things to happen. So I thought that was really profound. And that's just right along with, you know, what you just said about got to pull the weeds, got to stop doing the things. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is it's interesting too. Um, you know, we talk about the importance of having you, well, you get to choose, you can choose to have an abundant mindset or you can choose to have a scarcity mindset and grow up in a, growing up in a household that was financially overwhelmed. And my dad grew up in the depression. I'll just tell you that I grew up in a household that had a scarcity mindset. And so I've had to really work on my, my growth mindset, but I can tell you that uh, just like um, on a vineyard, you have to prune back the vines so that they will grow back stronger. Mm -hmm. Well, in life, we actually have to prune back things so we can grow back stronger. So sometimes being in business, 
you know, we might lose some clients. And if we have a scarcity mindset, we might be freaking out. But one thing I've learned is that if we look at that and say, okay, you know what, maybe I'm being pruned back for bigger growth. Where are my opportunities for big growth? And now I actually have the margin to take that on. Mm -hmm. I found that to be a very healthy growth mindset. And I found that to be true that especially if we're working on intentionally on our business development and swimming upstream and working with uh, larger clients that from a standpoint of we have to prune back or we need the smaller things to be pruned back so we have the margin to work with a larger client. I love that. And then I also tell business owners sometimes, okay, it's the lull. What needs to happen in your business right now? So when the boom happens that you can handle all those clients that are coming at you soon. Um, like it's so important to kind of look around in those times and be like, well, what process do I need to work on? Or who do I need to go talk to or things like that? So, you know, they give us those lulls for a reason. Um, and I've been sitting in one in the last like month <laughs> and I've been pruning, I've been pruning my life. Um, you know, of, of my, you know, commitments I've made that don't longer, no longer serve me. So it's been, and it's been nice. <laughs> it's been freeing. I can do it a little better. Doing, yeah. Doing some intentional weeding. Yeah. Doing some <laughs> intentional weeding of, um, you know, my time and effort and mental energy. So, um, say so one of your favorite topics, so we kind of prepped this one, but one of your favorite topics uh, to help business owners with is their leading and lagging and leading and lagging indicators. Uh, what are these and how do they help people expand their businesses? Yeah. So, uh, the, the first thing you have to know, a lot of people think that I'm a naturally gifted uh, business development person because I built a practice from zero to 2,200 clients between 94 and 05. Uh, and I only cold called for the first six months. And after that, it was hundred percent by referral. So we didn't do any advertising. Uh, I take that back. Okay. There was one time where I think for six months we advertised in a, a little community newspaper. And I remember a client I got or a couple clients I got from it, but other than that, it came hundred percent after that from referrals from the network. But I'm not a naturally gifted business development person. And so in, I can tell you that, so I started in 94 in, in 2012, I went through a business development course called fast track that is put on by Crankset group. And uh, for any business owner, I would say it is the best business development course I've ever been through. But one of the reasons it's the best is because it teaches you how to build a steady stream of potential clients to talk to. And um, there's not a lot of programs that teach you how to do that without like spending massive amounts of money on advertising to generate leads. Mm -hmm. And so it not only teaches you how to generate the leads, but then also how to uh, build really good human uh, relationships. And, um, and then it's not about salesmanship. It's really just about being human. But one of the best things, the reason I'm a raving fan of leading and lagging indicators is that I actually picked this up out of that course. And so, um, you know, success is quite predictable if we're doing the right things. And so let me talk a little bit about leading indicators first. So relative to a, a leading indicator, if we're talking about business development, it, it's, well, let me give you a picture first before I get into that. A leading indicator is like if you had a thousand dominoes lined up and you hit the first domino that knocked down the next 999, mm -hmm. that first domino is the leading indicator. So what is the first activity that you or whoever is doing business development in your business needs to do 
that will actually be the indicator of the lagging indicator, the end result that you want. So let me talk about specifically what does a leading indicator look like. So if we're talking about business development, a leading indicator is usually going to be the number of connections. And when I say a connection, for me, I define a connection as um, scheduling uh, either one of two things. But for, for me, my definition is a connection is somebody that I ask to meet with me uh, that I've been introduced to because 100% of my business comes from referrals. So somebody that I ask to meet with me who has the possibility of becoming a client, that's a connection for me. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that other people as a leading indicator, they'll define connection as the actual number of the people, number of people they actually meet with who have the possibility of becoming a client of theirs. So you get to make your own business rules. So you can do that. But I would say in business development, it's either a connection or it's a conversation. And when I say a conversation, it's a conversation specifically where you have actually given somebody the option or the offer to hire you. So you've made an, an ask of saying, you know, it, it could be as simple as based on what we've talked about, uh, Jamie, I'm confident that you would be a really good fit for our firm and we would do a really good job for you. The next step would be to complete the necessary paperwork. Is that something you would like to do? So that's making an offer for somebody to hire you. And so a conversation. So I'd say on the leading indicator side for business development, it's either a connection or it's a conversation. And let me just stop there and see if you have any clarifying questions before I go to lagging indicators. Um, I guess my question, and I think everybody's question is always, how do I find that leading indicator? Yeah, so, um, well, on one hand, um, I, I think that I've, I've given the answer. So mm -hmm. I, I would say that from, from there having that answer, I would go out and uh, try. <laughs> so I, would, I, I believe that business development, a big part of it is about taking action and doing something. And Testing so from it. a standpoint of, yeah, I, I would start and test it and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start with, um, you know, the definition of connections being somebody that I ask to uh, meet with me who I'm mm -hmm. confident can buy from me. I'll start with that. Mm -hmm. And then what, actually, Jamie, let me talk about lagging indicators for a second and then That's let me pull this together sure. so you can track all three. Does that work for you? Yeah, totally. Because I think they work best okay. and you understand all of them. So. Yeah, so, you know, on the lagging indicator, if I go back to the domino example, of course, the lagging indicator is that, hey, the, the thousandth domino fell down, but the other 999 did too in the process. So it's the ideal outcome that you want is the lagging indicator. So in business development, the lagging indicator is I landed a client or it's the amount of profit uh, or it's the amount of revenue, but I like to use either number of clients that you added or profit um, that you that you increased and so what we would put this into is if you want to make it really simple put it into what we call the three C's which would be uh, on a weekly basis measure how many people did I ask to meet with me who could buy from me that's a connection mm -hmm. and then you always have to have a time where you offer somebody to do business. I mean, very rarely either, we actually had an example this week to where we were meeting with a very large prospect 
and we answer all the questions and they actually looked at us and said, so what's next? And so I, you know, said at that point, um, and it's really important to know what you're going to say, but I said, well, essentially, um, we've explained to you exactly what we would do for you and exactly what the cost would be. Mm -hmm. The next step would be for us to go ahead and prepare an engagement letter for you to review and execute, and then we'll get started. Is that something you would like to do? And they said, yes, we'd like to do that. So that was essentially a buying conversation with a connection. Um, but I think it's really important to have the second C, which is a buying conversation. And then uh, we actually got that engagement letter back today. So now they're a client. Um, I consider them a client when we get signed paperwork back, but not until then. If they give me, they gave me a yes on Monday verbally, but we actually got the contract back today. Now I consider them a client. So just remember the three C's, connections, conversations, and clients. And I can tell you that some of my peers, uh, peer business owners, actually only use uh, two C's. They only track buying conversations mm -hmm. and they track the number of clients they have, as an example, is the, is the lagging indicator. So yeah, leading indicator for them would be buying conversations, lagging indicator clients. Is that you? Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, so in, 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 in full transparency, I mean, I think just one of the things I've learned is the importance of being transparent and authentic. And, and uh, you know, in full transparency, I think it's probably, for me, my scarcity mindset that gets in the way that I'm like, I don't know if I'd do as well if I only track buying conversations and clients, because I just know that in order for me to have buying conversations, I have to be connecting with people who have the possibility to buy from me and have a, you know, an initial meeting with them. So, but the great thing is, as you know, Jamie, we get to make our own business rules. And my favorite. Uh, so you made yours, I made mine. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I spend a lot of time making connections that might never be clients or might never give me clients. So it's, it's, just, it's a waste of time for me to just track connections. Um, but it's those buying conversations um, and their conversion is, is the big thing for me. So that's why I do it. Just because I spend a lot of time having coffee with people who will never be clients and should never be clients, um, but I'm there to help them or, you know, they want to talk about something or they just want to make a connection also, so. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a great point on that. So just for, for clarification, um, this is just what I track purely for business development. But like you, I have a lot of meetings with people that may never probably will never become clients or the intention of the meeting is to become clients again i'm just helping them mm -hmm. but it's just i know as an example for me what i know is that if i want to add one client then i need to ask three people who have the possibility who i'm pretty confident have the possibility of buying for me i need to ask three of them to meet with me mm -hmm. and then i know that out of those three two of them will go to a buying conversation and out of those two that go to a buying conversation, one of those will become a client. So and you again, know that what I said early on is everything. Exactly. And so what I, what I said up front is success is quite predictable. If you know your numbers, I really know my numbers. So I just know that in order to have uh, one new client, if I'm looking to add clients, then I need to have, uh, I need to reach out and schedule uh, three meetings or, or ask three people to meet. Uh, with me who have the possibility to buy from me. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you for explaining that. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. You bet. Um, so uh, how, does, how does the application of leading and lagging indicators 
really help people like hone in on that, you know, the one thing they need to do to expand their businesses. Like for you, you know, you need three conversations um, and then that'll lead to one buying conversation or, you know, one, one new client. Um, but how does this, how does this um, help people like really just kind of blow up their businesses? Like they're just, they're like, I got to bring people in, you know, what is, how does this do that for them? I mean, you've explained how it does it for you. Like, can you give me an example of another client or somebody you've worked with or somebody you coached where you're like, this is how we do this thing and watched it just. Well, I, I think, I, I, I think potentially the, the better example, Jamie, and, and I can come back to your first question. Um, but I think the better example would be just using my career trajectory. Mm-hmm. So you know, when I built the practice in San Diego uh, by referral, uh, I had no, the only measurement was how many clients did we add a month, but I had really no way to actually tell if I added five clients a month or 10 or 15 clients. I really didn't have a way to know how I actually got there. Oh, wow. And so the, the importance, I mean, I, I knew that I was out meeting with a lot of people, but it was, it was really kind of a random hope strategy. Hey, if I go out and meet with a lot of people, um, uh, and, and, you know, look to help people, good things will happen. And it, and it did, but from a standpoint of, I never had peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is the value, because I always felt like, oh my gosh, I just, I have to keep moving. I keep moving. I can never relax. I can never slow down. Mm-hmm. And so the value of having leading and lagging indicators is that I know that if I want to dial up the results of business development or dial them down, I know exactly what number that leading indicator how many people are going to ask to meet with me this week that have the possibility to buy from me? So you okay? really have control so, over, you have control over your revenue. You correct. Have control. That's really cool. Correct. Yeah, correct. So you, yeah, you just have a, an easy way to literally, you were using like the example of a dial to dial it up or dial it down. Yeah. yeah. I'm visual. So like I could just see the revenue going up. Yeah, me too. Going down. Yeah, exactly. Oh, crap, I need like two more connections to get to that next click or whatever it is. Right, exactly. I love it. I love so, it. yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. That was super helpful. And it was a good, um, yeah. it was a good refresher for me. <laughs> it's been a while since I've tracked, so I need to get back to that. Um, okay, so before I ask my last question, uh, what is the easiest way for people to find you? Uh, I'd say the easiest way for people to find me would be go to uh, pcmstrategies.com um, or just email me at john at pcmstrategies.com. So P like peak, C like capital, and M like management. Awesome. Uh, and we'll, strategies, so. we'll uh, link all that in the description box so people can find you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, last question. What would be your number one piece of advice for a business owner who is looking to grow their business? I can only pick one. Mm, you can give me two if you really want to. <laughs> okay. Give me a big uh, one. The, the, first, the, the first one would be less is more. Mm-hmm. So really, really narrow down the type of client you're going after and also the strategy or strategies you're going to use to find that client. Um, and so I'd be, you know, really clear on who are you going, what's your target market and then how are you going to find them and use like one to three strategies for actually finding them, mm-hmm. not seven or eight. 
So less is more would be my first one. And then my second one, since you were kind enough to give me two, um, <laughs> my second one would be outside eyes. Um, outside eyes are so important. And I was telling one of my teammates today that uh, I had three mentors tell me, uh, actually, when I moved to Denver, I had three mentors tell me to join a firm in Denver and not start my own firm. And uh, in full transparency, I was a little bit arrogant and prideful because of the success I had had in San Diego. But again, my practice was different. I had gone from a mass affluent practice in San Diego to now focusing on working with high and ultra high net worth, which requires an incredible level of trust. And so I actually didn't do that initially. I did eventually, but it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, literally almost cost me my marriage. And if I take and calculate the hundreds of thousands of dollars on compound interest over my lifetime, that one decision is going to cost me millions of dollars. Um, so I would just, say, <laughs> just being transparent. So, no, I love it. Uh, so I, so I just say the, the importance of outside eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and when, you know, I, I told this team member today, he's, he's um, you know, a year out of college and very bright young man and has an MBA and a, a degree in finance. And I said, look, when you have three people tell you the same thing, do it. Do you what they listen. tell you to do. Yeah, you should listen. You should listen, you know, and, and, and you and I wouldn't be talking today if three people in my first year of being in Denver didn't tell me to join a three to five club. And uh, because after the third one told me to join a three to five club, that's when I actually looked into it more seriously and met, met, met uh, Chuck at the time. And, um, you know, and you and I wouldn't be talking today if I wouldn't have listened to that, but that's actually been transformational in my life as a human being and also as a business owner. Yeah. And we wouldn't be doing the podcast if three people hadn't told me I should do a podcast. <laughs> there you go. Or, you so know, maybe more. that's. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but uh, yeah yeah definitely jamie awesome well thank you so much i really appreciate you taking the time today hey y'all thanks for listening if you found this podcast to be inspiring helpful and entertaining please like and subscribe this helps us grow the community and reach more people if you're interested in learning more about this episode's guests or accessing any of the books or other resources mentioned in this episode, be sure to check out the description box below. Until next time, be abundant.